Welcome to the Gorefine Schiller and Garden podcast series. Mark Warren, Director of Business Consulting at Gorefine Schiller and Garden, has been kind enough to speak with us today about the top 10 points of failure when it comes to embracing data visualization solutions for accounting and financial reporting purposes. And Mark, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Matt? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And before we jump in and actually talk about the top 10 points of failure, Tell us a little more about these data visualization solutions and the benefits they provide. Yeah, data visualization, it's been around in many forms for a few years, but it's really starting now to get a lot of attention as people are going to you know, have larger applications, they grow through acquisition, all of a sudden they realize that they need some tools to get access to the lower level detail information to run their business. They have tools out there such as Tableau, Click, Burst, Hyperion, a lot of different tools with a lot of different functionality, but they're all focused on getting actionable data into the hands of the people that need it. That's great. And I know we've talked about this before. I mean, these solutions, like you said, they've been around for a while. They certainly provide a tremendous benefit and tremendous value, but it sounds like there's still a lot of companies that rely on Excel for these efforts. And why is that? The biggest reason is that people feel comfortable with, with Excel. So when as a data analyst or someone working for a larger company, I'm sitting there, I've been asked to do something. There's comfort in me downloading the information, putting it into Excel and then taking it offline and working with it and then presenting you know, management with the findings that they requested. However, and the shortcoming is that I'm the only person that typically has access to that data or understands the model. So it's one of these Excel comes with Office, your Office 365. So it's a tool that you end up paying for, but it's not a discrete spend. It's bundled with other software and it's just people are comfortable with it. So I can remember back in the days before Excel became big, people were comfortable with a tool called VisiCalc. And before that, there are other graphics and it takes people a while to do that transformation. I think people now see that Excel, while it's a nice tool, it doesn't really give you the enterprise view of the data that you need. And in some cases, we actually had a client up in New York, Matt, that was running, you know, when we did the analysis, they were running their business on over a thousand Excel spreadsheets and then re-keying data into Microsoft Navision. So that was something where they talk about data risk. It was, you know, horrific. So we set them up with a data visualization tool that gave them the access that they needed. Wow. You know, it just seems like the possibility for human error, because we're humans and we're flawed, is just huge then, right? It is, because what ends up happening, you have this model in Excel that you've downloaded some source data, but there's been no rigor around, is it the correct data? Has it been filtered? Has it been validated? You're just downloading data out of a system to do your analysis, and then you submit that on. Whereas in the data visualization solution, you, know, you set the requirements on the data up front, and you do the validation. You make sure it's coming from the proper sources and that you understand what that represents. Got it. Got it. great insights there. And I don't want to scoop it too much because the next question is the big one where you run through your David Letterman style list of the top 10 <laughs> points of failure. So I'll kick it over to you for that one. Okay. That sounds great, man. And one thing I want to say when I go through this list, it's not going to be number 10 to number one. They're all critical. Any failure in one of these could result in a failure of the project. So what I'll go through is just listing the ones that are critical that people oftentimes will, will overlook. So you know, the first one, selecting the wrong tool. What you have to be careful of in selecting the data visualization tool is what is its feature functionality. And a big part of that is going to be integration. Can it connect to other source databases? There are tools out there that you actually have to load CSV files in order for them to work. So you're really going to look for a tool 
that has XML capabilities so you can link directly to the data. There'll be other tools that have great visual dashboards. Some, they might only have four or five pre-canned dashboards. So you have to make sure you have the right tool that can fit the different roles of the organization. So that would be the first one. Now, the second one is mobilizing the wrong project team members. And everybody laughs at this one because what we find historically when we look at projects, oftentimes companies will assign people to the project that are available and not necessarily the right people. So for example, I've been on these type of initiatives where we'll gather the team full of subject matter experts on the data and we'll go around, we'll kick it off, we'll introduce each other. And invariably, 20% of the people on the team will say, oh, I just started within the last 30 days. So they asked me to sit in because I'm not really involved in anything yet. So right there for that functional area that person represents, there's going to be a weakness because they don't understand the data. So it's critical that you would get new people kind of backfill the more experienced people because to initiate this thing and get the requirements done, you really need people that understand you know, the information. The third point would be not understanding the source data. And, and this is critical. It can even be issues with people that have been there for a little while. So I'll give you an example. And let's just take Microsoft Great Plains, you know, Dynamics Accounts Payable or many other accounts payable applications. There could be five different addresses in the accounts payable database. There could be, you know, the vendor billing address, the ship to address, the return address. So what's critical is that when you do these projects, you understand the underlying data, especially another example would be financial services. Financial services is one of few industries that uses average weighted balance on their financial statements. So you'll have an ending balance, a beginning balance, and an average balance. And you can understand how the data could be corrupt if you're pulling in the average daily balance as opposed to the ending balance. So it's critical to make sure that you understand the underlying data that you're pulling into these tools to complete your analysis. The next one is not completing a comprehensive detailed design document. It's the old adage of, you know, measure twice, cut once. So what you want to do here is you're going to have stakeholders from various applications, various functions. You know, everybody's going to have their own requirements, They're going to define their data. Well, then you have to look at all of these folks and all of these teams and say, how does this data relate? So every database has primary keys that allows the data to be seamlessly linked to another database. And what you want to do is make sure you have a design that says, okay, this table is going to be the source of truth, you know, for this state element. And we're going to use this source the truth to link the rest of the data. Because what can happen if you don't do that? You may have, if you don't pull in something that is a source of truth or a primary key, you could have corrupt data in one of the databases. So it's critical that you say you all agree on, here's a source that's going to tie all of this information together. Setting unrealistic expectations with the key stakeholders. I've had people, you know, software vendors themselves will say, we can get this up and running for you in 60 or 90 days. Well, that's really doing a disservice to the people that are using this tool because 60 or 90 days, you can get a cursory understanding of the data. You can put up a couple of dashboards, but to really get a fully integrated view of the data across the enterprise that can be used for decision making, the design itself could take 30 days. And then you know, once you do the analysis and design of 30 to maybe even 60 days, then you're going to have to do the build and the integration. So make sure that you don't set false expectations. And oftentimes the executives will say, I need this up and running 60 or 90 days. 
you'll run through, get something quick up, but then you find flaws with it, and then adoption becomes an issue. People don't want to use it because it's not correct. So just make sure you set realistic expectations of all your stakeholders. Not establishing a strong PMO environment. That's program management office. That's critical because you need a central place, one person, one group that's responsible for driving this to completion because people get busy with their day-to-day jobs, and you'll have teams from a cross-section of the organization. And if they're not focused on getting this done, it may not get done. So you need to have a strong project management office. And a couple of the things that you want to do there is it's going to sound rudimentary, but when you set up your weekly status meetings, you have to honor and hold those weekly status meetings. Our experience has been when people start falling behind, they try to cancel status meetings because they don't want to go and say they fell behind. So it's critical to have a strong PMO, strong status reports so that you understand where you are in the project life cycle. The next one would be not completing a limited proof of concept. And the proof of concept is really what is kind of a saving grace to most of the organizations that I've worked with. So what we do is when we have a vendor that's pitching, let's just take Tableau, for example. I have a real experience that we just went. Tableau came in, the folks from Tableau, and they gave a presentation to all the dashboards and the drill down capability and how it could be beneficial. We liked it. Well, what we did is we said, we're going to send you at no cost to my client a subset of data that we want you to model. So we want to, as a proof of concept, we want you to take this real estate information right out of our ERP and create a few dashboards of that to show us what you can do. You know, they went ahead, they created this proof of concept came back within a few days, presented that, and people got it. It's like, okay, that's my data. I can see how this can be effective. And everybody understood, and we knew that the tool was able to do it. And the reason you want that proof of concept, Matt, is there's been times where you know, software vendors come in and just shake their head. Yes, we can do it. Yes, we can do it. But then when you actually get into the implementation, they start struggling. And all of a sudden, it becomes issues. So you want them to show you with your own data that they can do this with a small subset of the data and engage you the wrong consulting partners. And there's a couple of things here. You know, everybody always assumes that the best consulting partner could be the software vendor. Well, that's not necessarily true because the software vendor, while they know their software very well, They may not understand your industry. They may not understand financial reporting and accounting. So what we find is the best, you know, team to bring in is usually a cross-section. Someone that understands your industry, the associated accounting and reporting, and then also having technical resources that know how to configure the application. We've seen individual teams, you know, Gorefine can do a lot of this type of work, but we've also seen where it's a cross-section, where it is a consulting firm plus the actual software vendor combining for a team to bring the, the highest and best value to the client. The next item would be not measuring or managing adoption. What you want to do, and what this means is once you put your tool out there, you want to manage who's using it, how they're using it, because what you don't want to do is have people say, okay, I don't want to learn this new tool. I'm going to still use Excel because all of a sudden then you have information out there that's not being presented properly on this tool. So you really need to you know, drive compliance. And we've done things in the past where we did a similar project for a client in the transportation industry where it was a big success. And as we were rolling out, there was a few pockets of people that just weren't using it. And we knew that because we were measuring user sign-on. We were measuring the number of reports that were created. And so we were able to identify them and say, okay, you know, what's the issue? Is it training? Is it this? And what we found was 
they were just so busy they didn't have time to set up the new dashboards. So we helped them set up the new dashboards, and within a couple of weeks, they were abandoning Excel and just using the tools. So you really need to you know analyze the adoption rate of these tools to make sure that you're getting the direct benefit. And the last one is not having executive sponsorship. And when I say sponsorship, it's, it's all well and fine to have a steering committee made up comprised of several executives that can help guide you if there's issues. But you really need that one executive champion. The person says, you know, I'm going to make sure this happens. I believe in this tool because when things get busy, the executives, you know, they can get tied up, not coming to the meetings. Or if there's disagreements, you need that one champion that said, this is my responsibility. And many times that champion will be one of two people. Typically, we've seen it's either the, the CFO because they're really vested in the financial managerial reporting or it's the chief operating officer who's looking at operating metrics. But you really need to find that one champion that'll drive this through to the rest of the organization. So I know I was you know, maybe talking a little bit fast, but those are the top 10 critical you know, issues with implementing a data visualization application. That's great, Mark. Thanks for those insights there. Yeah, you certainly covered off on a lot of stuff there and you touched upon this a little bit, but would love to hear more about Gorefine, Schiller & Garden services in this area. Oh, yeah. We have deep experience. And what value we provide, Matt, is that we have a business consulting team that understands the technology, understands operational metrics, and we have financial accountants that understand accounting rules, financial reporting, and managerial reporting. So we actually have folks within our team that can cover all the three main components of this and can help make sure that not only is the environment set up correctly and all the data is validated, but that you have meaningful reports that are actionable. So we can kind of cover all of those spaces for our client. That's outstanding. You know, Mark, again, I know we covered off on a lot today, but before we sign off, is there anything to add? Anything we may have missed? No, I think this has been a good discussion, Matt, and, and hopefully people have learned a little bit about it. Just don't underestimate those 10 items and make your project successful. And we'd love to help anybody that needs help setting up a data visualization environment. That's perfect. What a great way to end this interview. And you just heard an exclusive Gorefine Schiller & Garden podcast interview with Mark Warren, who's the director of business consulting at the firm. And as you heard, Mark was kind enough to go through his top 10 points of failure when it comes to embracing data visualization solutions for accounting and financial reporting purposes. And Mark, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome, Matt. It was a pleasure as always.